Hey, welcome to the Wilderness Podcast. Today is the first episode featuring our new hosts, Marianne Lord and Bethany Sargent. Before we jump right in, I wanted to take a second and remind you to go to our Facebook group, Woman. This week, we'll be talking about restoring your calling, and we would love to hear your thoughts on this topic and any questions you might have for Bethany, Jasmine, Marianne, or myself. All right, let's dive right in and give a warm welcome to Beth and Mom. Welcome to Wilderness Podcast. Welcome back to the Wilderness Podcast. Okay. And welcome back to the Wilderness Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany. And I'm your host, Marianne. And we are not your typical hosts like Rachel and Jasmine. (laughs) We are your new hosts for specifically every other podcast. We'll be introducing ourselves today to help you guys get to know us a little bit better. Mom, do you want to take over? Sure. Um... My name's Marianne, but really mom, because I had the privilege of having these beautiful women that are uh, running the show here. And last year, Rachel called me at the very beginning of this podcast. Uh, One day, I was just sitting in the car with with Carrie, my husband, and doing a few errands, and Rachel called, Mom, I have an idea. You know how it means so much to me when you pray for me and for when you pray for us kids? What would you think about praying for the women in our wilderness group on Facebook, like going live? And as she's talking, my stomach's churning. I'm thinking, <laughs> are you serious? I live? I can't even do a video at home with, with my grandkids. But anyway, I said, let me think about it. And of course, I prayed. And like within a few minutes, I knew God had his finger on me that I needed to step outside my comfort zone. And praying is kind of my thing. I love praying for people and I've seen God do such amazing things. So I said yes. So you know me kind of from that, um, from the lives that I do on Facebook. And so now I'll let Bethany introduce herself since you kind of know me. Yeah, I, uh, I've been working kind of behind the scenes since probably July. Did a little bit of the social media aspect and helped plan the Gratitude Challenge right. and uh, Summit. So I've been kind of working more behind the scenes. And when I first joined Jasmine and Rachel, they had originally asked me to like come onto the podcast somewhat and, and do a couple episodes. And I was like firmly against it. <laughs> I didn't want to have anything to do with that. Um, I was not confident in my show presence in that way. So for me to be here seven months later, I think that about seven, eight months later, it's kind of crazy. A lot of things have happened. Yeah. um, And a lot of things have, have changed who I am just in seven months. When Rachel and Jasmine reached out to me originally and asked me to become a part of wilderness I didn't really understand and they didn't really understand exactly how because at that point it was mainly for mamas and in July I was definitely not a mama I well I was a fur mama I had I have three beautiful furry babies Mm. and a loving husband and I originally didn't see myself being a mom for for a bit but I still had the heart of wanting to be a mother as well as the desire to serve God in whatever capacity he wanted me to be in, which is why mostly I'd taken a backstage approach. And when Rachel and Jasmine added me on, they kind of felt, well, maybe this is encouraging us to broaden our viewers and our audience into 
women-based in every stage of life, not just specifically mamas. Ironically, though, it did not take me very long <laughs> to catch up with them. I'm expecting in August this Yay! year. <laughs> yeah. Grandchild number seven. <laughs> yeah. And we found out recently that it will be a baby girl. Yay. We're really excited about it. Yeah. It's actually quite funny. I'll be able to take you guys a little bit on my, my journey as a new mama of naked babies is what my husband calls them <laughs> instead of our furry ones. So yeah, I guess God just really brings you on crazy journeys. I can't believe how much my life has changed in just seven months. Yeah. Still though, I think our heart um, for this ministry is for all women. Yes. And I still think that that's, that's the trajectory. That's where God's mm-hmm. leading us in all stages of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why I am so excited about doing this podcast with you because not only is it going to to be helpful, hopefully, for some people to hear my perspective as a newlywed, now new mother, but also excited to hear your perspective as um, not only a working woman, a mother of six, a grandmother of seven, and a wife and and a woman in ministry, but you have so much you're still doing outside of that. You own your own business as a music teacher, and you work in ministry right now. My mom and dad are helping um, a church get back on their feet in Searsport, Maine. And it's just crazy Mm. to see how... We are all still newbies in something. It's even. true. It is true. No matter how <laughs> you old know, you get. Along. Yeah, right. it's just crazy. So uh, Rachel and Jasmine talked about our theme for this year that we're going to be dialoguing through the podcast. It's Isaiah 61, which is a pretty lengthy scripture that they read. But our topic we're going to kind of hash out today is um, restoring your calling. And our verses are from Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Um, I, a prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Mm. I looked up the word calling in the Greek, in the original language, and it was defined as invitation, invited guests, or summoned. So. I love, I love that definition so much. Specifically, it being an invitation or a summoning. Yeah. Like that, that's just... That's such a beautiful way of looking at it. So what do you think about our calling? (laughs) Yeah, like defining what that is, what that looks like in our life. I think going back to the basics of it is very important because I feel like in um, the Christian realm, calling is just kind of thrown out as another term that everyone knows and uses, but don't really like focus on what it actually means and doesn't it kind of bring up a stress level in you like what if I miss it it's it's literally like that that pressure like I at least I felt this um when I turned 18 graduated like what are you gonna do with your life what's your career well in the Christian realm it's like what's your calling what's God calling you to do what are you gonna do for the rest of your life and it's kind of overwhelming because 
they take it such a broad term as yeah. if it's a career yeah. instead of seeing it as constant and continual invitations yeah. that are unique. And like one of the definitions that I saw for it online were individual missions as love being that. a definition for calling. I love that. I know I did too. That it would say specifically it is God's calling for us is not just one thing. It's not just a career right? in that terminology of the world. It is individual. It is unique and specific for different times of your life in different settings. So I think it would be important for us before we're able to see how to restore our calling in God to be able to understand exactly what the basics of a calling is. Yeah. Our minds want our calling to be a map so that there's no detours, so we can just stay on the highway and get to <laughs> the destination. No absence. <laughs> uh, right. But from what you're saying, it, it's more like um, unfolding instead of laid out for us. It's unfolding. Yeah. I remember this story when I was a kid that Dad used to use in a lot of his sermons. He'd use a picture specifically on the screen that he'd bring up of a foggy beach and how there's footprints in the sand in front of you. And you have this lamp in front of you, but it's only illuminating a couple of steps ahead. Yeah. And so what I remember him saying in his sermon at the time was, don't stray off of the path that God's brought you on. Stay and put your feet in the footprints in front of you. And that's how you follow God's steps. So it's pretty much saying, like, even though you can't see ahead of you, even though you don't know, the person that was there before you has. Mm -hmm. the, the footsteps in front of you have found a way off that beach and trusting in every step that he's going to guide you through your life is kind of how I see calling. And, and, and also the future. God doesn't really show us his plans. And one of the most important things that we talked about originally, like when we planned this, was how if you did see the end of the beach. Yeah. <laughs> if you did, if the if the fog was gone, would you really be able to be the person you need to be that's 10 steps ahead of you? Right. That you see, you know, like... Right. We might take some detours <laughs> to avoid some things. Yeah. There there might be a rock that you have to, to go around that if you were just took off running in the fog, yeah. you wouldn't have seen Excellent. it and tripped over. There's lots of different ways of looking at it but the biggest thing is if you were able to see yourself in 10 years and you were able to skip you wouldn't be the person you needed to be to be able to take on the struggles and commitments and trials that you're going to be going in 10 years yeah every single struggle and challenge and trial you've gone on through right now builds you into the person you need to be then yeah in scripture it brings up that over and over again, you know, this, the story of Joseph, you know, knowing he was called to do something big, knowing he was called yeah. and trying to take charge of his brother's first thing um, because of this. But God had a lot of training to do before he got to the place where he was powerful and, you know, over his brothers. Yeah. And what other stories? Moses, we yeah. were talking about that, how you brought up a very interesting point that, that kind of made us go into... A rabbit hole when we were planning this but I thought it was very pivotal so I'm gonna bring okay. it up anyway Moses knew his calling was to avenge the Israelites and get them yeah. out of Egypt 
but he jumped into that calling too soon when he killed the guard. Right. He took out God's vengeance for Israel in that one moment against that one guard instead of the way that God intended it, which would be against Egypt itself. God is the avenger. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think it's very um, influential that he uses a staff to mm. separate Moses from being the avenger in yeah. that situation. He specifically didn't give Moses the power by himself. He right. gave him a staff to channel the power through because I think it showed when Moses picked up that stone to bash the guard's yeah. head in that Moses could not deal with the type of responsibility that that power of vengeance told. Right. So God decided when Moses went into the desert and he had his whole reckoning and ended up finding God again there, he was terrified to come back. He didn't want to. He's like, I'm not a good speaker. I'm not a good leader. I can't do this. And God said, I will provide you with what you need to do this. And it's crazy because like some people could see this as, um, a bad thing because, oh, well, he, he used it um, as a crutch to lean on, yeah. right? Instead of being able to control or have self-control over his own thoughts, so yeah. to speak, he put a barrier in between himself and temptation. Excellent. And I think that's very important to point out. It wasn't a crutch he was leaning on. It was lying in the sand. Excellent. It was a barrier saying, no, I'm not going to go back to that power hungry man that I was that I wasn't able to control even my hands yes. <laughs> that God would give him the staff specifically to inflict all of the like remember yes. every single one of the things that God told him to do to bring on another plague it began with him and the staff doing that action and, and it brought God glory it showed that God was because it wasn't just the power man yes. yeah. that was doing it it was a staff yeah And, of course, a staff can't do nothing, so it was God. (laughs) And it's not flesh and blood that we're dealing with here alone, which is the only thing, you know, Moses had the power to do anything with was flesh and blood, but we're dealing with uh, the spiritual realm that ultimately controls the flesh. So, yeah, excellent. Excellent. Well, yeah, I wanted to bring that up because you had mentioned the guard situation, and we had gone into whether or not... Moses was right to protect that Israelite and the main focus we ended up coming to was he had another decision he at that point had still been a prince he still had the authority to order that guard to stop hurting us and the guard unless the king was there would have had no reason to not obey him right but he chose instead it says in the Bible that he looked both ways to make sure no one could see when he picked up the stone and killed yeah. the guard. So you really see the premeditation of sin yeah. that happened in that moment. So so that's an example of us um, assuming our calling when it's convenient maybe for us <laughs> because we feel passionate about it instead of allowing God to lead us in this calling and prepare us and change us. Yeah. Um, in, his in this process. I, I love his story so much because of how much changes in yeah. his life. Like if you look at him as a prince, uh, well, no, him as a baby. Just him as a baby is like a whole thing. And then him as a prince. And then him 
Uh, wasn't he a shepherd in the desert for a couple of years? Mm-hmm. Um, he's like helping his father-in-law with his sheep and his flock, helping them out there, and then coming back to be the leader to get the Israelites out of Egypt. And then you have him leading the Israelites in the desert. And then you have, right. like, there's just so, there's so many parts of his life that if I was to look at that, if I was to live that life, you would think, right, oh, wow, there was never a moment that God wasn't there or that God wasn't moving in me. But all of that happens to us in a couple of chapters for him, how many years went by. I think he right. was in the desert for, he was in the desert for more than five years before he was called back to Israel. He was at that point in banishment because he was ashamed of what he had done to the guard and couldn't face his brother. And that the whole aspect of so many things had happened that led him to be the Moses that came in and rescued the Israelites. Right. That that Moses with the stone in his hand hitting the guard over the head couldn't have been yet. Right. But yeah, I think that we can learn so much about calling from him. I think we could also learn so much about calling from the Israelites in the desert. We wanted to specifically talk about what happens when you're in the in-between of your calling. Right. And I think it's important for us to recognize that there is a difference between being content and being complacent. Absolutely, yes. So what is complacency i mean you gave an example when we were talking about this about defining contentment versus complacency and you were talking about pottery bethany's taken up a new hobby (laughs) with her husband that i'm just infatuated with i i love hearing all about it it's so similar to the descriptions god has put in his word about our growth as Mm -hmm. as people of god i love 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 it so talk to us about that (laughs) I think pottery is so freaking cool because whenever I, whenever I talk to you about it in the aspect of the Bible and God and, and just a spiritual aspect, it blows my mind of how similar it is to us. And it it makes so much sense why God uses it in the Bible again and again and again as examples of us. Um, but specifically, (laughs) Like, I'll, I'll just take you through the first processes of learning here. Um, when you start to throw the clay, which it's called throwing because you literally throw the piece of clay on a wheel, and if you don't throw it hard, then it won't stick to the wheel. And the wheel can't be dry and it can't be wet. It has to be sticky. Wow. So the situation is, if you were to look at it as a person in the situation, you're a mold of clay that, oh yeah, first, oh my gosh, my teacher would be so ashamed if I said throwing was the first step. <laughs> you first have to beat it. Oh wow. Yeah, you take it and you beat it and you pull it and you smash it. And it is such a workout for your hands, oh. my word. And you have to do it over and over and over and over again because you're trying to get the air out of the clay. You're trying to get all, even though you can't see it, there are little holes in there that air can be sucked in so that when you go to throw it it will like have air bubbles inside the clay itself and it can totally ruin the structure of your pot so specifically it starts out with smashing it and then you throw it (laughs) and it's like a constant 
constant physical and constant violent, so to speak, aspect of of pottery because you look at it and it looks so vulnerable and and so dainty and yeah. like oh if you were to push it off of a, a table it right. would break and shatter right. but every single part and stage of pottery making is so physically abusive in, wow. in the aspect of tearing it down in order to make sure it withstands the heat in the last stage. Wow. So, like, taking us through con- contentment versus complacency, I would say that when you're trying to throw a, a, a pot and you're building up those walls, you have to build it up and tear it down in order to center it. You have to, Because if it's not centered, if you're not centered in the wheel, it's going to walk back and forth and, like, fly off. And I feel like I feel that a lot in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Where if I'm not centered in God, I'm just going to be thrown up against the wall. I'm going to be out of it. I'm going to be scrap. Yeah. So I want to back up just a little bit because you Sorry. used the word abusive. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, if we're going to apply this to our lives, we don't want to look at God as being abusive. That's so what, true. what you're really doing is protecting the clay from being destroyed later by giving it strength now now there are situations that are going to constantly look like why would you let me go through this god why would you do this yes, to me yes and it looks abusive yeah it, it feels looks yeah Negle- like yeah. neglecting yeah, yeah it looks bad yeah and i feel bad for so many people that don't understand the love of god because i've had people ask me well if god loved me why would they let my mom die right I'm like, well, he didn't let your mom. Right. There, there's nothing in there that he's like, yes, I'm just going to kill that mother, <laughs> like, and and choose <laughs> right. to to in, inflict pain upon you. But every situation that you go through, it, it builds you into a stronger person. At least it's supposed to. And and it's life. Life is going to happen. The gift of God is that He turns it for good for those who are called according to his purpose and who love him. So everything that happens in life happens, <laughs> you know, whether you're a believer or not. It's that God uses these things to strengthen us and to build our faith and to make us the person that he created us to be to fulfill the calling that he's placed in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think what I was trying to say back to like complacency versus com- being content um, in the pottery stages, I personally like throwing the most. I feel like the creation of it, the forming of it is so important, but it's it's also a lot more fun for me. Mm-hmm. My husband loves the shaving. And I don't like it because all the work that I've put into forming this, this piece is then going to be challenged. Because you have to you have to take it off the wheel and put it aside, let it dry for a bit, and then take it back out and get out tools to shave down and work designs into and almost like um structure, so to speak, yeah. into this shape that you've created. And for me, I want to stay in that comfortable zone where if I mess up it's fine because I can just fold it back down makes sense. and build it back up but when you get to the point of, of the shaving if you mess up 
if you take too much off, you can't put it back. Gotcha. You've just scrapped that entire piece. Wow. And it also, like, if you take too much off and you, you thin it out too much, then when it goes into the kiln, it's going to break. It's going to shatter. And so it's a very delicate phase that really challenges your patience. Yeah. And I, I'm going to keep bringing up Moses. I'm sorry. <laughs> but with the Israelites, um, they just came out of Egypt and they were arguing with Moses about wanting to go back. Right. And it's crazy because they were in slavery. So, like, why would they want to go back? We are looking at it from a perspective of not being in slavery. But if we were to put, kind of even look at the prison system in the way of, I've heard a lot of testimonies from people that have gotten out of prison that tried to get back in because the schedules and the structure, it, it gave them comfort. And when they were thrown out back into the world, they didn't know how to get back on their feet. They didn't know how to relive their lives in, in a better structure now. And so a lot of them feel a lot more comfortable in the prison with the meals that are scheduled exactly yeah. at the time. Yeah. The daily activities are the same. Their responsibilities, they're literally given responsibilities that they do every single day. And for them, even though it can be seen by others as manual labor, right. to them it's, it's comforting. So when looking at slavery and looking at the Israelites in it, even though it was abusive, to them, that abuse was comforting because it was normal. It was... It was routine. It was, yeah. yeah. It had become the regular. And being out on their own with their own responsibilities, with their own decision-making skills, they didn't know what safety looked like outside of Egypt. And we see like them argue with Moses about wanting to go back and be complacent in that slavery so mm-hmm. even though they see freedom even though they see well that's hard i have to work for that because i have to get closer to god and i have to find the promised land and make it better for my kids i have to build that instead no i'm okay i'm gonna go back to egypt and just do exactly what they said so so that's when normal. you look at when you're talking about contentment contentment is a good thing god tells us to be content but there's in contentment there's always that element of us striving to the next thing being open to be changed like that pottery piece that you're working on being open to be molded and all and complacency is uh no i'm i'm fine right here i don't want to be um formed i don't want to be i don't want to be challenged Mm -hmm. i'm 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 done this is good enough and so in, in highlighting the differences of that, sometimes I think in the world we think of the word content as being a that. Negative. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to make a distinction. Complacent is really when we look at somebody and say, oh, she's just content where she is. Or not that we should say that, but you know what I mean. <laughs> or I'm just being yeah. content. Content is the thing God wants us to be content in the process. And instead of trying to push ahead, we're open to being formed to the next level. And I mean, I'm sure you have stories. I have lots of stories in my life where I was content right on the verge of, oh, but I know that God's calling me to this and 
can I just make it happen? And, mm-hmm. and you know, we see that with Isaac and Ishmael, Abraham's mm-hmm. promise of Isaac, and yet being content and believing and being ready for God to make that happen, but God just didn't do it yeah. fast enough for him. And so, you know, that whole thing. So I think you've done a good job in looking at the pottery and and making that example for us. So we're challenged. Mm-hmm. Don't sit back and and say, don't touch me. Yeah. <laughs> God, allow him to do what he needs to do at the same time with that excitement of, okay, what is this going to lead to even when it's a dark time? If I was to take my, my pot that I've thrown and stop it, before the shaving phase. It might look pretty to be sat on a shelf, but it has no actual value or use. Because hmm. you put water in it, it will eventually collapse. Wow. You knock it off the table, it will shatter. It, it will not hold anything. It has no use because it has not gone through the four other stages. Hmm. So if you, even though, oh, it looks nice, I don't want to ruin my pottery, my pot, it's perfect, it looks nice, but that looking nice is going to do nothing. Hey, it's Rachel here. Let's take a break so we can tell you about our 2024 mission partner, Wildflower Ceramics. Wildflower Ceramics is a mission-minded, woman-owned online pottery shop. You need to see these masterful pieces of art. Right now, Wildflower Ceramics is producing a series of ceramic tumblers inspired by the Chosen series. This small business is owned and operated by our dear friend, Anna Pike. Anna actually donates a percentage of every sale to help fund the Center of Hope, which is an orphanage in Tanzania that she and her husband manage. You can learn about the Pike family, the Center of Hope, and Wildflower Ceramics at their Facebook page, Wildflower Ceramics NH, or find them on Etsy. To donate directly to the Center of Hope, go to thecenterofhope.cc. Thank you so much for listening. Now let's get back to the show. In talking about our calling, I wanted to bring up that the definition for calling is invitation. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to bring to light that sometimes we're called into the wilderness and it can feel like a punishment or... Uh, maybe what you're talking about when you talk about the abuse to the yeah. to the clay. It can feel like that, but I think there's an assurance when we're walking with the Lord that if he's called us there, that's the safest place for us to be. So if he's calling you into a wilderness season, it's not going to be forever mm-hmm. because there's times when God calls us out of the wilderness as well. And sometimes he calls us within the wilderness. Sometimes we're in the middle of it and he's calling us to move, to move out. So whether you're in it, being called into it or being called out of it, it's all an invitation of God for him to refine us and build us into the person that he's called us to be, to do the things that he's called us to do. It says in his word that he has prepared good works in advance for us to do. And all of these things, all of these good works are part of our journey, our calling in our lives. So we talked about the topic is restoring your calling and we defined calling 
and talked about being complacent or content. I want to talk about the other part of our topic, which is restore. And like, what do you think of when you think of the word restore? I, I actually defined it. The definition for restore is to bring back, to reinstate, to return something or someone to a former condition, place, or position. So that's restore. Okay, so when I think of the word restore, I think of way back in the beginning of my marriage. In fact, it has always, I'm a pianist and a piano teacher and a music therapist. And so when my husband, Carrie, and I got married years ago, he, before we got married, when we got engaged, he found a baby grand piano. And it was like the dream I had always had to have a baby grand. He gave it to me as an engagement gift. And so when we were married, we were living at a camp and this piano took up half our house. <laughs> and it was painted white, the, the most current um, layer of paint, but beneath it, there was green and who knows what other colors underneath it. But it didn't really matter to me what it looked like because it you know, played beautifully and I was so excited to have it. It was my dream. Actually, my real dream has always been to have a Steinway. And incidentally, my husband pulled that off, rescued it from the dump. But that's a whole story for Beautiful. a different, <laughs> for a different uh, time. But anyway, so when I think about restoring something, I think about this piano because it wasn't originally white or green or whatever other layer it was. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was originally like walnut, mm. you know, if you can picture this beautiful baby grand. And, but we didn't know this. Things got rocky financially for us, and we decided we had to sell the piano. So we did. We sold it to a friend of Carrie's, and the guy restored it. I mean, talk about being jealous. He <laughs> took years. He was an artist and he removed all the layers of paint. He removed the keyboard and put in a new keys and new pedals and had all the strings adjusted. It was absolutely restored to its original condition. I think that's what God wants to do to us. He created us. In the Garden of Eden, we were created to be like him. We were walking in the garden with him. And through sin entering the world, you know, we know that, that God sent his son, his perfect son, in order to be able to restore us yeah. to our original being, who we were created to be. But because we still live in this fallen world, the restoration takes years it takes a process just like this man a lifetime. right but the goal is that we will be like him and and thankfully no matter what stage of the process we're <laughs> in when he takes us home to be with him we are like him we are restored to our original i i feel like it's trendy now to go to yard sales and i love it i love all the antiques but now it's trendy instead of to restore, to repurpose things. And we need to be careful that we don't allow ourselves to be repurposed. We don't want to change the calling God has on our lives because we don't feel adequate. So we repurpose ourselves. No, I'm not good enough at that. There's so many people that's better at that. Even though this is what I have in front of me, I'm not doing it because I'm not 
I'm not as good as so-and-so or whatever. Or back to that complacency that I don't want to be put through the stages to become what God wants me to be. Instead, I'm just going to stop at this stage and, and, and repurpose my calling in this area. Yeah, exactly. And I'm reminded of um, years ago, we were heating, we still heat our house entirely by wood heat. But at that time, you know, finances were tight and Carrie was looking in a local swap it thing and found coal free. <laughs> and, and our stove happened to have a coal option too. So we dragged all our six kids mm-hmm. to this place, this farm somewhere in Maine and loaded up a trailer with these boxes of coal. So in this person's garage or barn, actually, they were just like piles of coal and then these wooden boxes that had some coal in it. And she's like, take it all. And so we're trying to load up these boxes, which had been, you know, they're old. They could have been 50 or more years old. And some of them, the slats on the bottom of the wooden boxes had broken through. And some of them were just not adequate at all because they had been so, you know, compromised Mm -hmm. from their original state. But we loaded it all up and brought it home. And uh, it was an ugly mess. (laughs) I would never do coal again or recommend it. But it did heat our house that winter. But in the process of storing it all, I'm looking at these boxes and saying, well, they aren't good to lug the coal from the garage to the house because they aren't, you know, hardy enough anymore. They aren't in the condition that they were originally to be able to do that. Yeah, their integrity had been definitely compromised. But they are cute. (laughs) Let's (laughs) repurpose them. And so I ended up cleaning them up and using them in my piano studio for my sheet music, which, you know, it's fine and they're adorable and it's fun to repurpose things. But we need to be careful that sometimes I think the easy way out, instead of allowing God to restore us or shave us, like you're talking about the clay, we hop off the wheel and say, nope, that's enough. I know I can do this well. Mm-hmm. This is what, this is the I'll direction. I'll be a pencil holder. I don't need to be a cup. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to like insert something here. Um, when I was a kid, I used to read this book about these three trees on top of the mountain. As the story like went on, one would get chopped down for a purpose and the other two would be left for a couple of years. And it was following the story of Jesus specifically. And so the first one got chopped down to build the manger that Jesus was was put in when he was born. And the second one was chopped down to build the boat that he ended up preaching Mm. sermons out of. Um, And the third one was chopped down to become the cross that he ended up carrying on his back and then being put on when he died. Mm. And I'm thinking about it because... Each one of them originally had the purpose of being just a tree. Yeah. So sometimes we have the purpose of, hey, well, I'm a mom or I'm a wife right. or I'm this. That's that's just, that's who you are without God. I want there to be a difference between repurposing when you know God's calling for you versus getting that purpose from God originally 
So there's nothing wrong with God coming along and, and changing you from what you originally were to serve him better. But complacency and repurposing once you're in your calling, once you're walking with God, is only going to hurt you the most. Yeah. You're the only one that's going to lose anything from that. Because what you're saying is, oh, I'm not going to become the full purpose of God. What if those trees had just wanted to sit there and be those trees? Right. What if I just want to be a wife and be a mom instead of being a daughter of God, which is my, my highest yes. calling to God because I can serve my husband and my daughter yes. better once I am centered with God. Yes. So what if I just decided that I, I didn't want to be? Then I would only be able to live up to the potential of being a mom without God. Right. Which we have we've seen so much that the, the lack of God in in relationships and in specifically raising children how yes. how that can be so detrimental to to their well being and, yes. and their salvation. Yeah. Um, and God will always find a way to introduce himself. Yes. Even if he's not introduced by the parents. Yes. Which is, which is how amazing God is, which is how loving of a father he is. That will always make sure that everyone has the chance to have a relationship with him. But as a mom, it's my responsibility to make sure I'm centered with God and I'm a, another example of that. So I want it to be very clear that God's purpose for you can repurpose you from your mm-hmm. original calling. Yes like as a person right a human in society but once you're in that calling once you're walking in that word everything else that happens to you even if it looks like a repurposing (laughs) is actually a restoring to what you truly were meant to be originally because we we look at it like especially in the restoring thing that piano was originally the piano right it was originally that beautiful and then it became not ugly, but it yeah, it kind of was. <laughs> okay, ugly. <clears throat> but we were that beautiful in the beginning of time. We weren't that beautiful. Like I, I, I'm not the, I'm not the beautiful that I'm going to be restoring to in fifty yes, years. Yes. I'm already that ugly version of myself, and I'm, I'm chipping away to get back to the beauty that I've never actually experienced. We we all kind of had that stolen from us, that potential to be sin-free mm-hmm. um, in the garden. We don't have that chance anymore to see what we were then. So even though it looks to you like a repurpose, like, oh, well, for me, I might have not chosen to be a mom right now. So to me, I'm like, oh, well, I don't know. I, could, I was not done finding my calling as a wife mm-hmm. yet or fulfilling that as a wife or, or as a woman in ministry yet. But each one of the roles that God's introducing into my life is only restoring me into the beautiful woman and daughter of God that he originally had intended for me. Right. That's excellent. I want to speak to what you just said, but I also, I want to read this quote that I wrote down. I mean, it's not a quote. It's something I wrote. (laughs) It's my quote. (laughs) I just wrote down, I think it's important to summarize is we don't want to make excuses for not walking in our calling by trying to adjust the calling to fit who we are now. Yes. I feel yes. like that is that encapsulates it all. I also want to speak to what you said about, you know, as we as we grow older, we become 
I don't know how you worded it, but it made it sound like by my age, I should be like, you know, there. I should have arrived. <laughs> I just want to assure you all, it's not, that's not the way it is. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, if I had the choice to go back to be my 20-year-old self, there, I was just talking about this with a friend yesterday at church. I wouldn't want to, even though I was more beautiful then for sure um I felt a little more confident in the way that I looked and all I wouldn't trade that for the lessons I've learned and the refining God has done in my life for anything Mm -hmm. I'd rather be you know look like I do now which is beautiful in Christ (laughs) you know I'm a beautiful woman of God but I guess I thought when I was 20 Oh, by the time I'm, I think I'm 63 now. I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm only 60. laughing because you're like, <laughs> I think. I think I'm 63. I lost count. Um, yeah, you just turned 63 because I'm 20. Okay. Oh, yeah. Thank you for that, Bethany. Okay. <laughs> so I'm 63. And when my 20-year-old self thought about 63, I thought, oh, you know, it's going to be such a relief to to know all the things, to be able to really walk in, in what God has called me to do and, you know, accomplish things and all of that. And the truth of the matter is I can sit down with my 22-year-old, you're 22, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, my 22-year-old Bethany or Rachel or Jasmine or any of my children, and they are so much wiser than I am in so many things. And I'm absolutely being honest. I can sit down and, and listen to them give me wisdom about things, and they're wise, because their walk with the Lord is deep. So it's not about age and experience, although it enters in and it kind of puts the finishing touch, you know, that I am 63 and that I have lived more years has given me some life experience and that I've been following the Lord. Yes, I have lots of gray hair to show. He is infusing me with his word and wisdom through the years, but I've not arrived. And people who are earlier in their walk or earlier in their years with God have richness Mm -hmm. to give to my life. So no matter what stage of life you're in, you count your wisdom, your experience, your relationship with the Lord and what he does in you and through you matters. Mm -hmm. Don't let, I mean, I'm, I'm saying don't let anybody tell you that because you're young, you're not full of wisdom and full of God. And that is actually a scripture that was given to Timothy. Paul gave to Timothy because Paul was Timothy's mentor and he was a younger man in the Lord. Well, I mean, I I totally agree with that. I also think looking back, I think it's very funny. It's been a common conversation topic with my husband and I about how if we knew what we know now, when we were engaged, we would have gotten married sooner. Because so many things had happened in the first year of marriage that changed and molded us as a couple yeah. that were so pivotal. We're like, oh, well, if we had known that that would have happened, right. we would have gotten married earlier so that this could have happened and sooner. And I brought that up to my husband again because, we again, a conversation topic we've talked a lot about. And he corrected himself. And he said, no, well, this is the thing, Bethany. Everything worked out in God's timing. Like, literally, if it had done any other way, we would have been disappointed. God worked everything out yes. in his perfect timing but I just wish that marriage didn't have to happen for me to become the man of God 
that I became in the first year of marriage. I wish I could have been me sooner. Oh, that's beautiful. And he had said, I like, I know. I was like tearing up <laughs> hormonal over here. Yeah. I'm tearing up now. And I feel that exact way too. If I had been me now then and achieved that earlier, then our relationship before marriage in God would have been so much more deeper. And so we wish that for the aspect of, of our own growth, but not necessarily that marriage did that, but that God brought us together in that way um, so much in, in our first year of marriage. So I think it's also important to note that you can change yes. so much No in matter year. what stage yeah. of life that you're going through, yes. I mean, like even in, in eight months, eight months, Yes. where I would not wish to be the Bethany I was eight months ago. Yeah. And I think that also... It also takes a little bit of humbleness to be able to say, well, I'm probably not the Bethany now that I'm going to want to be in yes. 10 months. Yes. Like, I'm probably going to look back and be like, mm, I don't want to be that Bethany anymore. <laughs> I get that. So <clears throat> I think there's a lot of changes that can happen in, in your life to clarify your calling as well as mold you better for your calling. And I, I don't think that we should look at it in a linear timeline right. where... Well, I have to be at this age by this time to do this, and I have to do this at this age. That's the map we talked about yeah. at the beginning. Yeah, that's not... And just like my my pot and pottery, a beautiful vessel that I created to be a beautiful as a stretch. But let's say, this, for example, beautiful vessel I created to be in stage one, that it became in stage yes. five. Yes, And it wouldn't have the integrity, the strength, the experience that it has now because and this is something that you wanted me to bring up about the pottery is that every stage of pottery is physically straining and after it gets shaved down it gets put in the kiln mm. and it brings us such a high temperature that anything that had air in it any any sort of air bubbles in it it's gonna crack it's gonna rupture mm. it's gonna break wow and my husband and I actually had a bet because we showed up to glaze Last week, and we we're like, oh, I bet maybe one of them made it out of the mm. kiln because our uh, instructor told us some of them might break, you know. And we put six pieces in, and we got there, and he's like, wow, all six survived. Wow, I know we were both shocked, yeah. but he's like, but I wouldn't expect much for the second time. And I was like, well, what do you mean? I thought the first time was the worst. And he's like, no, because now we have to put glaze on it, and the glaze is water based. And it's going to try at that strength that you put into it again to see if it will withstand the heat again. Wow. And, sorry, I'm still worried because we haven't seen them yet. <laughs> but, but to look at the process, though, is that if I had taken that, just, just that lump of clay, not beaten, yep. not thrown, not shaved, just that clump of clay, put it in the fire it would probably be in crumbles wow. by the time it comes out. Wow. The first time, let alone the second. I'm sure there would be pieces of it that had integrity just because of what God puts in us originally, what our personality. He sets us up for success. Yes, he does praise him. Yeah, so we're born and we have talents in us that we don't know yet, skills that they don't have to be Measure earned. faith, yes. Yeah, earned by experience as much as it is mind by experience yes. and so there are going to be parts of that that are that's beautiful are hard what you just said was beautiful say it again 
mind. I love that, as in finding the resources. Because we have that in us. It it just takes some time to break it down. That's something to think about. Everyone says, well, if you don't have experience, at least you have knowledge. But knowledge and experience are both something that you discover and add to yourself yes. versus this is something that takes time to get out of yourself. It's mind through Beautiful. trials and through searching. Beautiful. So, yeah, there are going to be pieces of that clay that are intact, but most of it's shattered and it won't be usable in any way. Wow. So I think that unless they start the process again, yeah. so there is even hope. Yeah, there is in there that. Is um, there is definitely hope, and also in the Japanese pottery, they do that a lot, where they break yeah. dishes only to reglue them in a more beautiful yeah. um, shape, and it's, it's yeah. really gorgeous how they do that. So it's actually what Rachel and Aaron did at their wedding yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. to show like the the unity there and and God patching them together. Yeah. To but yeah, so if we were to look at ourselves in that in that linear timeline and be like, well, I, I want to be there. I want to be in this part of my life. Don't be that piece of clay that hasn't been thrown yet or beaten mm-hmm. or, or gone through some trials to have some strength to it and then throw yourself right into the fire. You need, you need every single one of those stages in order to be the person that God called you to be. Yeah, embracing the stage in the process embracing where you are or where i am right now in my life is part of the process it is humbling you know personally after spending my life raising my children i six children and homeschooled them and did ministry on the road and then they all grew up and i remember you know as we were going through the years of having you children, people saying, well, what are you going to do when they all grow up? Because they could see that my whole life was spent in this ministry with our family and also raising my children. And it used to irritate me. I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they'll never will. Maybe God will come back first. But here I am in that stage of life. And it does make you feel like, okay, you know, this has been my purpose or my calling my whole life, how are you going to use me in this next unfolding? Mm-hmm. I'm steadfast. I'm on it. <laughs> I'm with the Lord every day in his word and in prayer. And as I'm doing that, he is revealing these things. Okay, I've saved this for now. I've saved this for now. I've prepared you for this. And it's a beautiful thing. Instead of being closed off and I'm finished you know, that kind of attitude that I think a lot of ladies my age or my stage in life mm-hmm. have, you know, what good am I now? I've, I mean, I've heard my peers say these things and I think, oh, but God's brought you to this place mm-hmm. for such a time as this. And you couldn't have been put in this place had you not been in those yeah. beforehand. So restore your <laughs> calling is our message And our calling is really an invitation by God to walk in all that he has planned for us, Mm -hmm. all the plans that he has for us. Yeah. And an invitation to accept that birthright that he bestowed to us. Yes. It's beautiful. So whatever situation you might be in, whether it is 
a moment where God's telling you, kind of like what Jasmine said in, in one of the previous podcasts about Sabbath, if you're in that position where God's saying, I want you to stay right here in yeah. this season, it's not being complacent right. to obey God and rest and right. restore, which is what I feel in this timeline of, of Austin and I being in the contract to Dead River. I feel like God told us this is the time to grow yeah. with each other and in God and in our relationship with God. And that kind of looks to some people as a Sabbath. kind of mm-hmm. looks like you're not doing anything. Because yeah. it's not like we're engaging in every week ministry mm-hmm. or leading Bible studies yeah. or <laughs> leading missions trips. We're not, we're not doing any of that right now. And I kind of felt like, oh, wow, God, like, mm-hmm. I want to do something. And I felt him say, well, you've been, you've been kind of doing something your entire life. Yes. yes. And I think that you need to take a Sabbath, a couple of That's years beautiful. to be in the season of, of growth, but still not growth out of the stage. Mm-hmm. It's growth within. Mm-hmm. So it's the building up. Our, our pottery on our wheel and, and pushing down to get the air bubbles out. Beautiful. And God just keeps testing our integrity and our strength as he forms us up into a pot and then pressing us back into a yes. ball. And he's just, he keeps doing that. And like, well, maybe well, I'm going to call you to this. Are you ready to go? I'm like, oh yeah, we're, we're so ready. Okay, cool. But that's not it right now. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, like, or, or maybe we'll go in this direction. I'm like, oh yeah, sure. We, we can totally, no, well, I'm really glad you're willing, but not that one. And he keeps doing that. And it might seem like a tease to some people, but I think it's the practice of saying yes to God is what we've been taught right now. And I think Rachel could probably relate to that. <laughs> the practice of saying yes. Yeah. Even the, if God says, well, never mind. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that you'd say yes to me. Wow. I just wanted to make sure you'd give that job up. Or I just wanted to make sure that you'd give this up. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that you were willing to trust on me for for the next couple of paychecks or, or mm-hmm. do this. It's that practice of faith that That's he's beautiful. putting us through right now. And that is still hard work mm-hmm. in Sabbath. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And that's actually what Jasmine talked about um, in their first podcast back about in Sabbath, they still had responsibilities they had to do. Mm-hmm. It was just not the, the type of work responsibilities that everyone sees as acceptable work. Gotcha. So I might be, a Christian might look into my life and be like, you're doing nothing to serve God right now, which I, I would feel ashamed no, of myself because of that. <laughs> No. But they might they might feel that way because it's not the same work that I was doing before. Yes, I hear you. But it is important work still. It is. And it is still responsibilities that God has assigned me to do in this quote-unquote Sabbath yeah. that we are in. And, um, and it just brings me back to what Jasmine was saying in the last podcast about Sabbath, of it not being a lack of activity, but a decision to cease from other activities yes and i feel like that's the position that my husband and i are at right now and that is the contentment in your calling that god wants you to have in between phases that you cease from the activity that could actually hold you back from focusing and honing in on what sabbath is and guess what sabbath activities were a connection for the family to invest in each other that's what it is I remember this Jewish woman coming to preach in Searsport yes. talking about 
how much of the activity is family-based. It's about the children interacting with the father and telling stories and doing ceremonies that brought each one of them together. And so I, I truly think that, that that type of environment and growth, even though it was not seen as work, yes. was so pivotal. Yep. And the Bible tells us yeah. that he created the Sabbath for man. And I think the, the definition of it, of course, is often seen as just rest. And I've always thought that was kind of weird because I never felt that on Sundays as a family we actually ever rested. Nope. <laughs> it was like our busiest day where we'd be up at like 6 and gone mm-hmm. out the door by 7 and not back home till, what, 3? Mm-hmm. Maybe even 7 that evening depending on if we yeah. had Sunday night service because we'd just stay in Ellsworth. And it wasn't really seen as resting, but we'd always still have that reconnection of a family yes. and God. And that was the important part was that we were ceasing from our daily activities and putting God and our family first. So. Excellent. Well, we've talked about a lot today. Yes, and part of me thinks, who would want to listen? <laughs> Why are we actually doing make any points here? I know, I'm not sure. So I would like to just pray quickly. And, you know, we've been praying leading up to this, but I'd like to just wrap this up with prayer for a minute. God, just erase any words that we've spoken that would not be something that you would want to be spoken over your people. And the things that are the words that you would want us to speak that would be encouraging and empowering and inspiring and life-giving to our ladies. We just pray that they would be spoken forth, that they would be received, and that they would bear much fruit. God, use us, not just Bethany and I as we've done this podcast, but use all of us, God, for your purpose and to bring you much glory. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Ladies, thank you for joining us. And we want you to stay wild. (laughs) Awesome. I don't know who wants to listen to it. But it's done. (laughs) 